Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. But I want to know that he died for me. And I don't ever want to forget that. I don't want to ever lose the awe of that. It should have been me in that position, yet it was him and he did it for me and I'm thankful for it. If you would join me tonight in the book of Judges. Chapter 6. Book of Judges, chapter 6. We're going we're gonna to visit a very familiar story. I believe for the most part of us, we, we've known this since we were a child. And perhaps you won't hear anything that you've never heard tonight. But I believe that God just wants to remind us one more time. He had to remind Israel over and over and over who he was. They saw the Red Sea parted. They saw manna from heaven. They saw just inconceivable miracles. But yet God over and over had to tell them, I'm the Lord. I have brought you out of Egypt. It's not because they were were unlearned. It was not that they were of diminished capacity. But it was that they just forgot. They forgot where they were. They forgot where they come from. And so God just over and over reminded them, just who they were, and I think that he wants to do that again tonight. Judges 6, 1 through 6, the Bible says, And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. And the Lord delivered them into the hand of Midian seven years, and the hand of Midian prevailed against Israel. Because of the Midianites, the children of Israel made them the dens, which are in the mountains and caves and strongholds. And so it was when Israel had sown that the Midianites came up and the Amalekites, the children of the east, even they came up against them. And they encamped against them and destroyed the increase of the earth till thou come to Gaza and left no sustenance for Israel, neither sheep nor ox nor ass. For they came up with their cattle in their tents and they came as grasshoppers for multitude. For both they and their camels were without number And they entered into the land to destroy it. But in verse 6, And Israel was greatly impoverished because of the Midianites. And the children of Israel cried unto the Lord. They were greatly impoverished because of them. But they cried unto the Lord. And so it might not make a whole lot of sense now, but I want to talk to you from a very simple subject I want to talk to us tonight about a journey to breakthrough. A journey to breakthrough. We're just going to take a journey tonight. It may go slow for a minute, but I hope we end up where God wants us. A journey to breakthrough. Would you help me pray? Let's just ask God to touch us together. God, we love you. We thank you for who you are. We wouldn't be here tonight, Lord, if it were not for you. You've blessed us, God. You've, you've helped us. You've given us new life. And so we're here, God, to give that life back to you. But, God, we are desperately in need of you, Lord. It never will come a day that we don't need you, God. We need you now. We'll need you in the morning, and we'll need you tomorrow afternoon. And those... We need you to touch us together, to let the power and the presence of your spirit speak to us now together, and we'll be careful to praise you for it, God, forever and ever. In Jesus' name, if you're going to help me, would you say amen? Amen. may be seated. I believe that one of the most prominent traits that human beings possess 
especially here in our country, you can see this played out time and time again, is the ability to pull oneself up by their own bootstraps. It's just the ability to get the job done. Human ability is something that we marvel at from the building of cities and great things in the earth to the achievements and the advancement of technology. We see this ability in men to do all sorts of things. We could sit and talk about this for hours, the achievements of man and what man has accomplished. You just think about sending someone into space, a controlled explosion that rockets men into the stratosphere and they're able to explore and do all sorts of things. It's something to marvel at. It's something something to admire. However, that pulling yourself up and doing things on your own has created a mindset in the hearts of mankind that created this pretense long ago that somehow all of this was accomplished by one's own ability. And so man has chosen to do such that. He's chosen to do things by his own ability, by his own sheer strength. It's been it's been written about. It's it's been marveled at. There's been poems written about it. There's been stories, biographies, on and on. There's been songs that have been written about man's achievements. Frank Sinatra sang a song called I Did It My Way. And I don't mean to be unkind tonight, but I'm not so sure that that worked out. The independent mentality has given birth to a sense of arrogancy and an attitude that says, I can handle whatever comes my way, and I can accomplish anything that I set out to do, and I can do it with my own ability. I can do it with my own tenacity, my own swagger. If I could say it like our young people know it today, I got swag, and so I can take care of all this on my own, and I can do it by my own tenacity and my own ingenuity but this is a far cry I know that I sit in a building tonight with people that know that this is so far from the truth that it is not even funny because no one on this earth ever did anything on their own whether they're sitting in the highest seat of office or whether they are on the cutting edge of great innovation solving world problems they never got there and they will cease to do so on their own Because God is the author of all things. He's creator of heaven and he's the creator of the earth that we live in. And he is the giver of all things, both great and small. The beginning and the ending. He is the alpha and the omega. He's the author and he's the finisher. He was here before it all began and he will be here when it is all said and done, and so no man could ever boast of doing anything in his own self, by his own will, by his own flesh. It never accomplished anything that God did not allow him to do in the first place or give him the ability to do so. And so therein lies the problem. It's man's philosophy and it's God's truth. It's all down to flesh and spirit. Because flesh always attempts to glory itself and exalt itself above all that is called God. And pride is the fall of all mankind. And pride has brought down nations. It's brought down men, great men of great renown. It's caused the mighty to fall. And pride tonight is the enemy. And pride must be dealt with. And it must be dealt with immediately. I know that I'm talking to Holy Ghost filled believers that have dealt with pride. But I'm telling you, pride is something we need to deal with on a daily basis because this flesh is ever living. It's with us every time we turn around. It's with us. Last week we talked about how the world is in a state of upheaval, chaos. It's it's, it's all due to the fact that men ignore the real issues and look within themselves to try to solve every world problem. But it all happens while the world is quickly going downward, downward, downward into a never-ending 
spiral. And so tonight in the book of Judges, we read of Israel that are in similar circumstances. They've sit, sinned yet again because pride has caused them to believe that they can do what they want to do or what they feel like they can do, and they can do it without God. But in all circumstances, hear me, in all circumstances, the truth of the matter will always be revealed. They couldn't do what they want to do by their own feeling, by their own ability, and we certainly cannot do whatever we want to do in this life. We can't do it based on our own ideals. We can't do it based on our own ability or our own strength because without fail, that will always lead to bondage. But I'm thankful tonight that even though we live in a dark world and even though men are doing what they want to do in the sight of their own eyes, God is still merciful. Yes, he will judge and he will bring all of this to an end, but thankfully we are still in grace and where sin abounds, grace does much more abound and God is still in the business of deliverance. God's motives are still pure and they are still to our well-being and he assures that if we cry out to him, he will hear, he will answer, he will save and he will deliver. He will forgive. But what we must find ourselves on here tonight is a journey to breakthrough. Here we find Israel in this particular portion of Scripture within the book of Judges. They're on their fourth round of this roller coaster of sin and deliverance. But thank God for the mercies of God. The same mindsets have caused them to sin in the past are the same mindsets that have caused them to sin against God now, and they are the same mindsets that will continue to cause them to sin against God in the future, ultimately finding themselves in bondage and in slavery. But I need to say it again. I'm thankful for the mercies of God. I'm thankful that he he will hear our cry and that he will answer us. The book of Judges, the ending, sort of kind of concludes everything with one simple phrase and it, and it, and it just speaks to the, the whole mentality that the children of Israel had. The book of Judges 21 and 25, the Bible says in those days there was no king in Israel and every man did that which was right in his own eyes. And so can I tell you tonight, you already know this, but following human ideals and following human intuition and human values and doing what is right in your own eyes will always, without fail, always cause you to walk into a counter direction of what God is calling and wanting you to do. And that's what they were doing. They were walking in an opposite direction of what God was calling them to do beckoning them to come, come unto me, yet they thought they could continue to do whatever they wanted to do in their right, in their own eyes. James 4 and 17 says, Therefore to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. And so sin is, is, is always a result of doing what's right in your own eyes and following after your own thought process, your own ideals. But sin always, without fail, will produce bondage. And so God, here we are now, he delivers Israel into the hand of the Midianites. They were slaves to perpetual looting for seven years made themselves dens and caves to hide in. Israel would sow the seed that would eventually become harvest. But yet at the right time, at the moment of harvest, the Midianites, along with whoever else would league themselves with them, would swoop in and take everything that they had worked so hard to produce. It was a literal one step forward and two steps back situation. How many has been in that situation before? It felt like you just take one step forward and two steps back. You can never get ahead and you can never find the end of the rainbow. You can never find the, the light at the end of the tunnel because there's always something cutting the rug out from underneath you, that proverbial rug. And so it was a literal one step forward and two step back situation for them. They would sow and then it would be robbed. Right at the moment 
of harvest. And so how do we apply that to where we are tonight? I believe this. Their enemy did not want them to have increase, and our enemy does not want us to have increase. The enemy certainly does not want you to prosper. That's for sure. He doesn't mind you sowing just as long as you don't reap. The enemy doesn't mind you living in the land just so long as you don't possess the land. He doesn't mind you being there. He doesn't mind you going there. He doesn't mind you setting up shop there. Just don't get any further than that. Live there, but don't possess there. You see, the enemy doesn't mind you knowing the truth just so long as you don't allow the truth to set you free. He doesn't mind you knowing that there's a promise out there just as long as you don't lay hold on that promise. You see, knowledge can only get you so far, but at some point, you've got to lay hold on something. And so the enemy of our soul here tonight, it, it doesn't matter to him that you come to church. It doesn't matter to him that you clap your hands. It doesn't matter to him that you feel those proverbial goosebumps every time you walk into the house. You can lift your hands and you can worship God all you want to. He doesn't mind that just so long as you don't find the breakthrough and just so long as you don't get the increase. That is his plan. He's okay with you doing all those things just so long as you don't break through your own situation. Just maintain the status quo. Just show up on time. Just dress right. Clap at the right time. Shout at the right times. Say the right things. Live in a way that everybody thinks that you're living the right way. But don't get the increase. Don't actually do it. Just make out like you are. Hear me, that scenario, that way of living without fail will become taxing. Bible says that the way of a transgressor is hard. But this is a good life. This is a good life. This scenario of doing what's right, maybe on the outside, but never finding that, that point of release, that point of giving up and giving in to God, that constant state of fruitlessness will eventually have to break. And it can go one of two ways. But I'm thankful that we read in Judges chapter 6. Only a few verses in, yeah, everything don't look good. And everything is not going quite right. And I've not done everything right. And I've found myself in a position that is not comfortable. But Israel cried unto the Lord. And hear me tonight, wherever you are, whatever situation you find yourself in, all you need to do is cry unto God and he will hear you. So God, in his mercy, sends a prophet to them that reminds them yet again who they are. He reminds them yet again what he wants to do in them and with them. And he reiterates to them exactly where he has brought them from and where he wishes to take them. He's called them out of Egypt. He's called them out of bondage, yet they have continually gone against his word and they have continually pushed against his will. But God is still merciful. Yes, his patience is most definitely wearing thin, but his mercy is still alive and it is still well. And I am thankful tonight. I've said it again and I'll say it many more times that his mercy is still alive and well tonight for whosoever will if you'll just cry out to him he'll take you where you need to be
He'll send some men. He'll send some men. He'll send some prophets. He'll send some people to talk to you and to tell you again who you are and to bring you out of that miry clay. Men that can speak into your life. People that will come alongside you and pick you up and say, let me tell you again who you are and where you come from. You are a child of God and he wishes to do something great in you. I'm thankful that God calls men to a sacred desk every Sunday. And I'm nobody but every Wednesday to remind the people of God just who they are. And I'm thankful that he is still calling men to service today. Judges 6 and 11, the Bible says, And there came an angel of the Lord and sat under an oak, which is in Ophrah that pertained unto Joash the Abizarite and his son Gideon threshed wheat by the wine press to hide it from the Midianites. Now at first glance, especially by the world's definition, this would be deemed as a cowardly act, hiding the wheat and threshing it in a wine press. That was not its normal use. Threshing wheat required open places off of the top hills and mountains where the wind could blow away what was threshed called chaff. The wine, the wine press was usually a sunken down place or a low point in the earth. So the fact that Gideon was carrying out this act of threshing the wheat there would have been both humiliating and difficult. But the reality is this. Gideon was doing all he knew to do in the midst of his struggle. In the midst of the pain of Israel, Gideon said, I'm not going to let the enemy have my increase. I'm not going to let the enemy take away what I have worked so hard to get. I wonder if I stand with people tonight that have been in this way too long to say, I'm just going to throw in the towel. I'm just going to let it all come out to chance because I've worked too hard I've worked too hard and I've got to let God do something in me he was carrying out a very vital task a very important situation Gideon had the people in mind Gideon Gideon had the harvest in mind Gideon said, this is not just about me, but there are people that are counting on me. There's a harvest that needs to be brought in, and I'm going to do whatever it takes to make sure that it comes to fruition. Hear me tonight. The most important thing that we should have our minds on in this hour is the harvest. God said, pray for the harvest. Pray that men would go into the harvest. The harvest is ready. The seed has been sown all these years. It's been growing and it's ready to be reaped. And so I wonder if there are some people here tonight that have the harvest in mind that says no matter what it takes, that is what I'm going to do. Hear me, the harvest is more than necessary. The harvest is not just a catchphrase. The harvest is not just a buzzword, but it was important to God and it should be important to us. And hear me, the harvest must be protected at all costs. The world might say that Gideon was afraid human intellect would call him a coward but God called him a mighty man of valor the world around him might have said he's afraid he's scared and so he's hiding just to get a little bit but no God called him a mighty man of valor it's interesting to me maybe it is to you to find that every time that 
God has ever called any man or any person to service. It's always those who have their hands in the harvest. It's always those who are working and already ready. You see, he called Moses and David from tending sheep and he called Elisha from a plow and he called the apostles from their nets and from the seat of custom and here we find him yet again calling another man, calling him out and calling him into the armies of God and he calls him a mighty man of valor. So the world might say what we are doing here tonight would not amount to anything. The world might say that we're not accomplishing anything, but I'm here to tell you tonight, we are sowing and we are preparing for a harvest. We are not hiding in some back cave. We are here in this house. We are getting ready for the harvest. God called him mighty, not because he was a coward, but because he was humbly protecting the harvest. And God, not to get too far ahead of myself, but God always notices people who are kingdom minded and those who have the harvest at their best interest. So God calls him a mighty man of valor and he calls him out of that wine press and here tonight he is still calling men out of the wine press he still calls us out and he still gives us something to do in the kingdom he calls him out and he has a word for him and instructions for him God has commandments for Gideon. Judges 6, 25. And it came to pass the same night that the Lord said unto him, Take thy father's young bullock, even the second bullock of seven years old, and throw down the altar of Baal that thy father hath, and cut down the grove that is by it, and build an altar unto the Lord thy God upon this rock. In the ordered place, and take the second bullock and offer a burnt sacrifice with the wood of the grove which thou shalt cut down. And Gideon took men of his servants and did. As the Lord said unto him, I'll hasten on. It's clear to see that throughout Scripture, God always calls men out, He always calls them to a purpose, and He always calls them, hear me, to separation. Separation from ungodly and worldly lusts and ideals is not only wise, but it is absolutely required. Throughout the Old Testament, Israel was instructed to, pro, to, to possess the land and to never make any league with the inhabitants of the land. Simply because God will not make a league with ungodly people, he will not make league with ungodly ideals, and he will not share his glory with another. He will not have a people who are not willing to stand out, to stand up, to come out, to do what God is calling them to do without being ashamed. God said, if you're ashamed of me in that day, I'll be ashamed of you. But Paul said, I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of what he's called me to do and we should not be as well. You see, Paul even talked about being separate from the world and we say this a lot, but 2 Corinthians 6, 14 through 17, be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers for what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness and what communion hath light with darkness and what concord hath Christ with Belial or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel and what agreement hath the temple of God with idols for ye are the temple of the living God as God hath said I will dwell in them and walk in them and I will be their God and they shall be my people wherefore this is why wherefore 
come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. Peter said it like this. You are a chosen generation. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Hear me tonight. That's what God does for Gideon and that is what God has done for us. He has called us out of this evil world to stand as a light that is on a hill to to do what God has called us to do and he has called us to bring in a harvest. God does that for Gideon, calling him out, hear me, out of obscurity and into purpose. God has called us out, out of obscurity. You don't have to be afraid. You don't have to be ashamed of what someone might think. Well, that guy's not cool. Yeah, I'm not cool because I don't do that sort of thing. I don't laugh at that. I don't talk about that. I don't go there. I don't watch that. I don't listen to that. I've been called out of darkness not to look down on anyone, but to look to him who is the author and the finisher of my faith. And I've been called out to do a work for God. Hear me again. Let me say it again. I've worked too hard. I've worked too hard to get where I am. I'm not where I want to be. And I'm sure that I'm with people that are not where they want to be. But I don't want to go back there. I don't want to, I don't want to go back there. I want to, I want to go forward to what God is calling me to do. So I'm hurrying. Let me just briefly talk about this. Not to mull over it, but Gideon has doubts. He says, who am I? I'm the least in my father's house. I said, I don't care who you are. I called you a mighty man of valor. I've called you to do something for me. Now stand up and do it. But he doubts. And we all know he seeks after a sign. Now, this is not a recommended practice. Yet it is not without significance either. I may be wrong and you can correct me after church. Gideon had doubts. God called him out. He set the fleece out. He said, if you'll do this, then I'll, I'll believe it. God did it. I don't remember God complaining about that. He just did it and said, get on about your business. I've already told you who you are. I've already given you the sign. I've already confirmed it in your life. Now go do what I've called you to do. Stand up. Don't be afraid because I'm going to be with you every step of the way. I'm telling you tonight that sometimes we have doubts and sometimes we might sit in a dark room and say, God, I don't know that I can do this. I'm the least in my father's house. I don't know that I can do this for you. But God is saying, if you want a sign, I'll give you a sign. I'll tell you who you are again. I'll send a man to a desk. I'll tell him what to say and it'll be like the water has parted and speak directly to you. But after that, you got to stand up and you got to do what I've called you to do. There's no more time for excuses. There's no time to sidestep or try to get out of it or step out from underneath the weight. But it's time to do what God is calling you to do. God will confirm his word and he will reiterate his calling and he will do that for us. And so Gideon does the logical thing. I won't read it for sake of time, but Gideon assembles himself an army. Logical. Judges 7, 1 through 3, he calls many men, as many as he can find to strengthen his numbers. That's logical. Nothing wrong with that. He amassed an army, an upwards of 32,000. He enlists the help of his father's tribe, the Abizarites, the Manasseh, uh, Asher, Zebulun, and Naphtali. And history is often repeatedly told us that great armies with great numbers and great swell have won battles through overwhelming force. However, even the army that Gideon 
has assembled was in no way outnumbering the army that he was going to face. The Bible says that they were without number, that their camels were without number as of the sea of the seashore. You couldn't count them. They were too big. It didn't matter if he had a million. It wouldn't have been enough to start with. And so God does what no military mastermind would ever dare to do. He sends men back to their tents. And so here's the heart of the matter of where we need to be tonight. God has called us to do something great and we are not going to do it by the world's mentalities. We're not going to do it by what they think is right. We're not going to do it by some, and I say this with great difference, with some church growth book. We're not going to win souls by some, 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 some itinerary or some program. We're not going to get people, uh, discipled under some, some, some program that some man has come up with. But if we're going to do what God has called us to do in this end time hour, we are going to have to do it by His terms and His terms only. We are going to have to do it according to him. Isaiah 55 and 8. For my thoughts are not your thoughts neither are your ways my ways saith the Lord. His thoughts are so much higher. They are so much more lofty. So why wouldn't we want to do it exactly what, what the way God is calling us to do it. No compromise. No, no sidestepping. <laughs> No, no, no self-help book. Not, none of that. God said, I've called you. I've equipped you. Now stand and do what I've called you to do. And so God, God does a little threshing of his own. The world's idea of achieving great things and great success is all measured by success. And their, their measurement of success is by what is gained. But hear me tonight. We know this. I'm not telling you anything that you don't already know. God operates on a different level and God operates in a different economy. You see, he wrote the textbook. We can't go take a class and learn about all this stuff. He's already done it. He's already proven that it can be done. All we have to do is do what God is calling us to do in the Lord's economy in, in order to gain something first you must be willing to let go of a few things you see when we were called out of darkness we were enlisted in an army of God and not an army of one that might be the armies. <laughs> that might be their, their motto, but that's not our motto. We are not an army of one, but we are an army of God. And if we'll be an army of God, we will be unstoppable. But in order to achieve what God has tasked us with, we must be willing to allow God to rid us of the things that will hinder. You see, the kingdom must be advanced the kingdom must be advanced and there are no room for fear and there is no room for doubt now I'm going somewhere so please stay with me there are some things there are some mindsets that we must be willing to let go of there are some places that are no longer conducive to my walk with God there are some some languages that are no longer conducive to my walk with God it just doesn't suit me anymore and hear me personal preference no longer takes a front seat in my life but the harvest is important and so whatever it takes I've got to lay aside every weight and the sin that that so easily besets me in my walk with God what God was showing Gideon is this not everything you brought with you can go with you into battle not everything that was attached to you in your former life where you were where you found yourself can go with you now I know that God forgives us and I know that God cleanses us but sometimes we just pick some stuff up along the way sometimes some things try to attach 
itself to us. Paul said, not everything is wrong for me, but it might not be expedient for me. And so if there's anything that might weigh me down in this, I've got to let go of it, and I've got to let God take me where he wants me to be. Gideon, Gideon, not everything can go with you into the future. Gideon, not everything can go with you into battle, and not everything is going to arrive at your promise with you if you're going to make it there. Not everyone is ready for what God is about to do and what is about to take place, and not everyone possesses the right mindset for it either. The reality is this, many are called, but few are chosen. Let me say it like this, few possess the faith and they fail to choose the right thing to do in the right time. But hear me tonight, let me just pause and say this, you still have a choice. You can either allow God to do what he wants to do in your life and extract the unneeded things and the unnecessary weight that will hinder you or you can allow the enemy to rob you of everything you have. There is no in-between. There is no safe place. There is no neutrality in this. It's either go back to the dens and the caves and let him take everything that you have and everything that you've worked for or allow me to take some things off of you and get you lean and mean for the battle that stands before you and what I have called you to do. Gideon possessed the same spirit that John the Baptist possessed and we must also possess that same spirit. We must bow ourselves under the awesome weight of God and say he must increase but I must decrease so whatever it takes whatever it's going to take or whatever you want to do in my life that God is what I am willing to do for the sake of the harvest so the Lord sends back the fearful and he subtracts the non-observant God subtracts the faithless he separates the unready. And he says, Gideon, the people that are with you are too many to give the Midianites to you into their hands. For this reason alone, lest Israel vaunt themselves against me, saying, my own hand has saved me. Can I say this to us tonight? And I say this with great respect. But what God is getting ready to do in us and through us will leave absolutely no room for self-proclamation, self-promotion, or self-adoration. Nor does it have any room for that kind of thinking. You see what God is getting ready to do in this hour will have no room for speculation and it will have no room for doubt. We will only be able to say it was the hand of God that did this. It will be clear cut. It will be without refute. It will be absolute, undeniably occurred and God will do it with his own hand. But hear me, he wishes to do it through us because God is in the business of using fragile humanity infallible flesh God is in the business of confounding the wise and using the small base things of the world to bring about great and notable victory and God is going to do that in this hour Judges 7 7 and the Lord said unto Gideon by the 300 men that lapped will I save you and deliver the Midianites into thine hand and let all the other people go every man unto his place so the people took victuals in their hand and their trumpets and he said, all the rest of Israel, every man unto his tent. 
and retained those 300 men and the host of Midian was beneath them in the valley. And so now we've reached the most important part of this story. Gideon now stands face to face with his enemy. The Bible says the Midianites and the Amalekites lay in the valley beneath them an exceeding multitude without number. The task before them is great. It is daunting. And it is seemingly unattainable. And so let me just tell you now who that enemy actually is. Midian literally means strife, quarreling, brawling, or contention. Midian was the son of Abraham by Keturah, and progenitor of the tribe of the Midianites. He was of the man of promise. But he was not a son of promise. And he had no part in the inheritance. The Amalekites they had leagued themselves with simply mean dweller in the valley. They are the son of Eliphaz by his concubine Timnah, grandson to Esau. Now if you've done any studying at all in the book of Genesis, you know that Jacob and Esau were brothers Jacob was a plain man and dwells in tents, but Jacob had a heart for God, and Esau did not. The Bible says that he was a man of the field, and he sold his birthright for a bowl of soup. Earlier in Scripture, Esau is the epitome of flesh and is a type of spiritual complacency and compromise. Two very formidable foes to Israel. Arch enemies. Stealers of harvest. Takers of increase. And hear me tonight. They are still alive and well in this earth. And they are still very formidable opponents to spiritual growth. The Midianites and the Amalekites kept Israel from everything that belonged to them. Live in the land, but don't possess the land. Plant all the crops you want to plant, but don't bring any of them into harvest. Hear me tonight. That same spirit still lives today and that same spirit still robs spiritual increase. Both represent the flesh and both give us a stark picture of what flesh can do and what it produces. But hear me tonight. With God's help, both of them can be overcome. Both of them can be defeated. And both of them can be driven out. And you can have spiritual increase in your life. So when we started, Gideon was at a low point. Because he allowed God to take control of him and what he was to do, he now stands in a place of authority. And the Midianites are beneath him in the valley. In Judges 7, 9 through 15, God sends confusion into the camp of the enemy, symbolically declaring victory by the most unconventional means possible, or at least by the world's standard. He sent a dream into the midst of that company, and a man said, hey, have you heard of Gideon? Have you heard of this mighty man of valor, I believe he's near and I believe he's here. And he said, yeah, I've heard of that, but I don't want any part of that. 
That's scary to me. Do you know what the enemy thinks about you? Do you know why the enemy comes against you? Because he knows who you are. He's already been told who you are. And he knows that he cannot defeat you unless he can keep you in a low place and a low point. But hear me tonight. We stand with the baptism of the Holy Ghost and we stand with, with the baptism in his name and we stand in a place of authority over flesh and over fear and over death. We don't have to be afraid anymore. Can somebody help me with that? We don't have to be afraid anymore. We stand in a place of authority. But hear me. The only way that it can be achieved is through absolute victory and absolute humility. In our lives, when we humble ourselves and submit our lives to God, flesh is destroyed. And where flesh is destroyed, hear me, God's light shines through. I won't read it for sake of time, but those men said, God has already delivered everything that we need into our hands. We've heard the report of the enemy. They're afraid of us. There's only 300. There's only a handful, but we're going to take what God has given us and we're going to utterly destroy them. Hear me. I find this very interesting. They never lifted a sword. They never, they never lifted their hand. All they did was blow the trumpets and they broke the pictures that were in their hands, revealing the torches that were in their hands and the light dispersed the enemy. It sent them running. It scattered them and it turned them in on themselves and they destroyed themselves from within. Hear me tonight. Bobby talked about it Sunday, but humility and obedience will take us in to victory when we break down this flesh and when we allow God to do what he's calling us to do and doing it through us. We have no choice but to win. We have no option but to win and God will prevail. Humility and obedience. This is not in my notes. But the Bible says that they broke those pictures that had that light in them. I remember reading somewhere, somebody said that we have this treasure in an earthen vessel. And so no matter what you find yourself in, no matter where you find yourself or what you're going through, if you can just break this flesh open and let God's light shine through you, God will send confusion to your enemy because he doesn't know what to do with that. He doesn't know how to process that and it will cause him confusion. Let me say one more thing that calls confusion to the enemy. Calvary calls confusion to the enemy. God could have come to this place with pomp and circumstance. He could have clothed himself in purple. He didn't have to let them do it. He could have clothed himself as a priest in a priestly garment and he could have set up his kingdom whenever he want to, wanted to but God in his mercy chose to wrap himself in human flesh and die on a cross on Calvary. The enemy thought it was over. The enemy thought that he had won but God God said it is finished and that veil rent from bottom to top exposing the holiest of holies I'm here to tell you that we are on a journey to break through if we'll just let God take us where he wants us to go we are on a journey to break through and when we break through we're going to find our increase we're going to find our increase I'm coming to a close if our musicians will come We'll find, we'll find our increase. I just can't do it under an hour. Can't do it under an hour. Some people won't get that. I believe. I believe that right now we are standing face to face with our enemy.
by and large, the biggest battles and the toughest fights that we'll ever fight is with our own will and our own flesh. The devil is a formidable foe, but we already got him beat. There's already been a place prepared for him. But we have to live with this every day. And he'll use that against us. He'll use that flesh to get you not to pray. He'll get you to use that flesh not to come to church. He'll get you to get in that flesh and just want to step back or sidestep and not do what God is calling you to do. He'll use your flesh to cause you fear and shame and heartbreak. He'll use that flesh to fight your faith and hear me today. He'll use that flesh to kill your harvest. He'll use that flesh to take away your increase. And one of the biggest hurdles that we have ever got to get over is questioning our faith and our calling and who we are in God and what he has called us to do. He's called us to be protectors of harvest. He's called us to usher in the last, the last trump. We've been called for such a time as this. And we have reached a very pivotal point. Hear me. I know there's only a remnant here tonight. And if I'm out of line, I'll get corrected. I understand that there's only a remnant here tonight. But God can work miracles with whatever he chooses. Now, I am not discounting any reason why anybody is not here. Please, if you think that, you've misunderstood this whole message. But God is doing something in this hour. And in the Holy Ghost, he's doing something in this church. And we stand at a very pivotal point. Either possess the land, lay hold on the promise, and utterly drive out the enemy, or retreat back into obscurity. But hear me, that won't end well. It won't end well. And so I said all that to say this. I don't believe we're going to do that. I don't believe that we're going to retreat back. <laughs> I believe that God has called us to a very pivotal point so that we can stand and say, God, whatever it is you want me to do, that is what I am willing to do. I believe here tonight that I stand with people who are protectors of the harvest, who are going to usher in the last trump, and who are going to be with Jesus when he comes. We are those that are called. We are those that the end of the world has come. And I stand with a people tonight who not only won't increase, but who are going to find increase. And we're going to do it on a journey to break through. Hear me. Hear me. We're on a journey to break through. This church is on a journey to break through. There are individuals who are on journeys to break through. Maybe that breakthrough will be tonight. Maybe that breakthrough will be right now. Maybe you'll just lay it all down and say, God, whatever it is you want me to give up, whatever it is you want me to lay aside, whatever it is you want me to do for you, God, that is what I'm going to do for you.
hear me? Just a few more comments and then I'm done. We don't have time to compromise and we don't have time to fear. But hear me, we don't have to compromise and we don't have to fear because God is going to do the work if we'll just allow him to do it and he's going to do it through us. Why don't we lift our hands right now? Why don't we cry out to God? Why don't we thank him for his word? Why don't you lay it down? If there's anything that we need to lay down, God, reveal it to us in this moment and in this hour and help us, God, do what you've called us to do in Jesus name in Jesus name in Jesus name oh we love you Lord this message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church we pray that it's ministered to you in some way and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.